to the Cutaway Podcast, everybody. We are bringing you part two of our conversation with the amazing actor, writer, entrepreneur, business lady, producer extraordinaire, Kim Jackson. So not going to stuff around. Let's just get straight into it. Hey, Luz. Sounds good to me. How has being a mum like impacted you creatively too? You know, like I, I know a lot of women in the industry, uh, have a lot of fears around parenthood because especially for women, regardless of whether you're an actor, if you're, you know, if you're in above the line or below the line positions, you know, it's almost like this out of sight, out of mind thing. And then it's really hard to come back in, in Australia from what I've heard at least. Yeah. Uh, have you, did you, you know, when you were, when you were pregnant, is that something that went through your mind? Is it something that you sort of yeah. planned to try and tackle? I was doing auditions like from here up, trying to like, <laughs> not look pregnant. <laughs> I was like, well, the if I book this, I'm screwed. <laughs> like, the hot, like redhead, like leading girl bouncing around. And I was like, well, I've got the tits for it right now. But I'm <laughs> and so, um, but I actually, funnily enough, I was in hospital and I got an audition for The Secret She Keeps. Um, two days after Jax was born and I had a C-section and I, so I like couldn't do an audition and my, my discharge date was the Thursday. And so I emailed back to my agent and said, Hey, can you let casting know that I've had a C-section and, and I can do this tape on Friday, um, but I can't do it on Thursday. And casting, of course, Amanda Mitchell is incredible and she's got kids. And so she wrote back and said, look, you know, if Kim wants to put it in on Friday, great, but she is more than welcome to take the weekend, send the tape on. It was a long weekend. She's like, send the tape on Tuesday if she needs to, no problem. So I got basically a five-day extension on this audition. And I put the tape down. I, I had to use a like a big, thick strap around my waist to hold my stomach together while I'm doing this audition. Um, I couldn't read it. I couldn't remember any lines, so I had to tape the lines up next mm. to the camera. Um, and I, it was supposed to be walking in, walking out, sitting down. I couldn't do that. They, we just propped me up basically between the back of a chair and a desk. Cause yeah. you know, you're supposed to sort of stay in bed for a couple of weeks after a C-section, not do an audition with three scenes or two scenes or whatever it was. <laughs> so anyway, I do this audition and I, you know, I send it off and totally forget about it. And then like four months later or something, I get the email that I booked the part. Wow. And I'm just <laughs> like, of all. The roles to book. My first booking in Australia since coming back from LA and it was in that sort of a circumstance. And so, and then I went to set for the shoot and the director and the first AD and all of the other actors, you know, were constantly asking, are you okay? You know, can we help, you know, what, what do you need? Oh, you forgot your breast pump back at base. We'll go send someone, you know, we'll send someone to get it from the trailer and, uh, you know, do you need a break? You know, what do you need? How can we help? You know, oh, okay, we'll flip the shots around so that you have more time to pump. Great, whatever. Like, it was such a supportive environment. Mm-hmm. It was so incredible, and it felt so just so nurtured and take care, uh, taken care of. I felt so so nurtured and taken care of. It was, you know, Jax was four or five months old at the time, so it was the first time I'd been away from him for a whole day, like eight or nine hours or whatever I was there for, and. It was amazing. It was really incredible. Um, and the thing, the difference is now, I think, you know, my husband's an actor. We don't have day jobs. So that means I can, first of all, I'm doing self-tape. So I don't have to drive into Sydney every time I do an audition. And second of all, um, you know, I can leave the kid with Andrew if I need to because he's at home. And mm-hmm. so I'm not really needing to take any 
huge amount of time off. Um, I, you know, I definitely felt like I was out of action for that, you know, that four months between the audition and booking the job, I suppose. <laughs> um, but uh, it, yeah, it really, um, I guess it hasn't really impacted me that much because I've been able to kind of just keep going like as if nothing happened. And I'm not, I'm just not, you know, I'm not proactively pursuing anything right now, but I think I've hopefully built enough momentum in my career that they're, you know, the, the auditions just kind of keep coming. And, you know, I did have to turn down a couple of huge auditions because the shoot dates were like September and October and the baby was due mm, September 25th. Yeah. Um, but um, casting was so apologetic. Like they were just like, I'm so, like, there is just no way this character can be pregnant. Like she's like <laughs> supposed to be like the smoke show that's like making out with the lead and it mm. just doesn't make sense for the story to have her be pregnant. <laughs> um, so I, I just have, I've felt supported the whole way along. And my agent, Sophie German, is just like the queen of the world. She's incredible. So um, that's been really cool too. They're all moms in that office, I think. Um, so they get it. They get um, it. Yeah, I know Sophie is full <laughs> sure. Nice. So they and totally it, get it. It a totally lot of helps, doesn't it? Like it, it just helps so much when there are women in those decision making positions that can be like, yeah. "Yep, get it. Understand. This totally. is how we will work around it, or this is, you know, this is what we'll do instead." Like, totally. It's so and important. Even just parents, you know, guys get it yeah. too. If, they, if they've had kids, they they know what their wives went through. Like they know that you know. I think it's just if you haven't had kids, there's no real way to understand the how all encompassing it is i i was always just like god like what Don't, you just like let them do their own thing they're, they're just kind of free range right <laughs> been and working they, by now he's eight months old come exactly. on <laughs> but like no they they actually need a lot of attention because they try to kill themselves all the time yeah, the yeah. yeah. see i i but sort of have some sort of understanding i have never had children but i i helped raise my my niece from when she was uh, little so yeah. you know i know about the eye gouging and the nose pulling and oh, the, yeah. the teeth the grabbing and all yeah. that sort of stuff and how much attention they really need in those you know in oh, those young times totally because it's not like they cough when they're choking on something they cough <laughs> they cough when they're effectively coughing something up they when they choke they're dead silent that's so right you yeah. have, have <laughs> eyes on them yes. permanently. It's terrible so, yeah. so i you know I, I get it i don't understand it completely obviously but uh you know i've made a decision because I'm in my 40s now, you know, that my career ah. and, and stuff has sort of probably come first before children. I have a lot of very, very happy friends who've made that decision. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I struggle with it from time to time, but it's an interesting topic to talk about because, you know, mm. it affects us all as women in the industry, um, you know, and, and it's a challenge for us. And, you know, you're often berated or, or vilified if you don't have kids or you're berated or vilified if you do. So, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting... Yeah, so you might as well just do whatever the hell you, you want. Just do what you want. <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's look, what I, I did. I th yeah, look, I think I think it's all just personal choice, mm. but, but obviously it's this industry just... It's look a lot of parenting is is nurturing and and we so often refer to our projects as our babies and it, and it really does feel that way because a project needs undivided attention mm. too for a couple of years. That's right. And yeah. and and but but it it is like the families that we get to have on set. It's not like a normal workplace. It's it is like this incredible family that you're so you know you feel so connected to and. As someone, you know, in a, as a producer, you're kind of the mom of the of the set, yeah. you know, like you're running everything and the taking mom, care of everyone the and negotiating. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> the father. 
the sister, totally. the brother, everything. Totally. <laughs> but, and so, it, you know, it feels, it, you know, it definitely feels a very similar kind of mm. space in mm. your world. And I think storytelling and, and having an impact on the next generation is something that can either be done through having your own kid or hanging out with kids or being a teacher or being a storyteller. Or and, a mentor. Yeah, or a mentor. Or you know, a mentor. Totally. Which is, I think, so many other ways, you know? Yeah, because I think that sort of brings me back to sort of something you said earlier when you were talking about not having that when you were sort of coming up. I mean, I, I feel though you were speaking about it as though you made a choice in that respect that you sort of wanted to go it alone. But I think mm. also there's a, a big chunk of people out there who who are looking for that but can't find it. Mm. Oh, and totally. It's, and it's not around. And I know. And you I know what? You know what kills me? And and it's probably a bad thing that I, I mean, I guess it's why I built Secret Access. The reason I built Secret Access Society is because I'm on set and I'm thinking, well, fuck. I did the math and I was like, well, if I work, you know, eight hours a day, you know, if I work, I think I was on like oh, 20, 30, 40. No, it was forty, like almost forty grand an episode, American. So it's like sixty grand for an eight day episode shoot right and so I'm doing the math and I'm like I think I make $800 an hour and I was like well I can't keep coaching for you know 200 bucks an hour or 150 bucks an hour whatever it was at the time and I'm like okay so then I have to but but, but then what am I going to do you know all of these actors are getting the wrong advice because what I ha- would happen in my coaching sessions in LA when I was seeing lots of people they would come to me and they would say well I you know this you know this one guru or whatever this is the template they give for an agent email. And I'm looking at it going, this is terrible. Even if an agent, if you were the perfect match for an agent, they would never get past this copy mm. that you, you know, and this, mm. this series of template, you know, oh, here's this. And I saw it so many times, people getting the worst advice. And so I just felt this obligation to make a safe place for actors where I didn't have to be paid by the hour because, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm never going to charge actors. Eight hundred dollars coaching. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, how do I give them all my knowledge and, and the knowledge of people like Ben Whitehair, the guy that was my coach, and all these other incredible coaches that I knew?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, I guess I just figure out what they're really great at and ask each of them like a hundred fucking questions mm. and get them to answer." And so that's that's what we built with Secret Action Society. But it is it really is. For me, I was so scared of sales and marketing and so scared of promoting. I never once did any advertising for my coaching. I, I think I started seeing a group of people after I did a seminar once. Um, I, I said, you know, if, if anyone wants to work with me, just shoot me an email. And I got my first group of actors and then all of a sudden one person, almost everyone that worked with me would refer, you know, between two and five or six people. And it just grew, 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 grew to the point that I was like, oh, shit, this is insane. It's taking over my focus on my acting. Yeah. That's a problem. And, it, you know, it's at that point that I booked a show and I was just, I, but, but when I'm thinking about marketing for Secret Actor Society and I'm thinking about like, oh, like I don't want to be selling stuff and I don't, I, I don't feel gross. I have to keep, and I do it almost every day, I have to keep reminding myself if I don't get to them first, they may end up with one of these slimy, sleazy people that's going to yeah. charge them. Some of these places charge, you know, five, 600 a month to actors. The actor uses up all their money. They feel scammed. They can't apply any of the stuff they've learned because it's not functional or mm. it's cheesy or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's this actor who's left Hollywood because they got ripped off and they couldn't find, you know, something where they could just be taken care of. And that's why we only charge 
I mean, we're about to put our prices up, but at the moment it's $89 <laughs> a year for mm. a secret access. Because it's just like, just get the information. Just get, and if it, and it's all digital. So I don't have to put any time in. I do the yeah. two Zooms a month. It doesn't matter if there's two people in there or 100. I do the two Zooms a month. And, and that's the only time that I actively have to put in other than building the systems and stuff. And, and so I can, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's just overheads. It's just if we, you know, the, the only reason we need to charge more money is because currently we're not, we're not profitable because we spend money <laughs> on stuff and other things. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to charge actors. And Andrew's like, we can't keep subsidising a company. <laughs> so, yeah. and so it's just one of those things where, you know, you, it, there's only so much information an actor needs to know. Mm. And I would say 60% of the questions people ask me either in coaching sessions or in the Zoom coachings, the group coachings, I say to them, there's a video on that in the Secret Actors Society. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, and it just, in my mind, I just think if they can effectively find all that information without having to go see a coach, then when they do see a coach, instead of having to do five sessions to get the knowledge, they can start from that you know, where they would be at session six, where they can really be digging into, okay, here's my circumstance. What can I do in Mm. my circumstance? And then you can get these deep coaching sessions, which are arguably much harder. You know, for me as a coach, the first three to five sessions are like so easy because it's just people asking all of these really rudimentary questions. Yeah. Most of which are answered in my book and now the Secret Action Society, where it's just like, it's such a breeze. Whereas when it gets to like session eight and they like know all the stuff, I'm like, oh God, this is really, this is really, really work. <laughs> I gotta really think and strategize here. But the good thing about that point too, is a lot of it isn't just about the the strategy that you've got to come up with to help them. It, you know, it's, it's the, for lack of a better word, it's just the handholding. Oh, dude, you know, totally. Like, like what I need totally. needed with you when I was talking to you. Like, I'm not sure about this. Is this okay? And you're like, yeah, girl, just fucking do it. Absolutely. <laughs> In Absolutely. those exact words. In those exact words, pretty well, much. And that's what I needed from a coach when I went. Yeah. You know, mm. When I went to see Ben, because it's just it, you know you need it, it. We often we so often tell ourselves why something can't be done or shouldn't be done a certain way, and and for someone to sit there and say, oh no, you can totally do that. It it just gives you permission. Mm, totally just to have that and to have an accountability partner and also have someone who gives a shit you know I have like another little side company that I've started and and initially it was you know me going okay I'll hire this friend of mine to develop it to do the tech and then it was funny I was on a call with him the other day and I was like dude I'm underpaying you and he was like it's fine like we're friends I don't care I'll do it for free I'm like that's not fair and I was just like do you want to just take a third of the company and and we can all be partners, mm. uh, you know, me, him and Andrew? And it's just, it's it feels so much better that way because mm. it's just a, now I don't feel like it's me, like it's all on me. You know, <laughs> now it can be the, the three of us kind of like, you know, just doing it all together and figuring mm. it out and it feels like a collaboration and that's what coaching kind of feels like. It's just... It's funny, we're talking so much about coaching and I'm really like not coaching that much anymore. <laughs> no, but this that's is great. Where, that's where it all comes from is me yeah. wanting to make, you know, a digital version of me as a business coach. And, and um, you know, I do think it's so important to get guidance and to have someone Absolutely. walk beside you along your path. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Like, like Lucinda said earlier, you know, a lot of people think they have to go at it alone and... You know, it bit- feels that way, you know. I mean, yeah, a lot of people feel like they're on their own, doing especially, 
Yeah, mm. especially because they go, to, they often go to uni or college. They do their little course, their degree, and then they leave. And then it's like, oh, well, shit, like what now? And, and you know, you're kind of in the deep end and you have some knowledge of what you need, but not all the knowledge of what you need. I, I think everything that you're saying is super valid, you know, in the, in the sense that uh, I think – I think we all have so much that we can learn, you know, even if, if an actor is listening to this and they never want to go to LA or not, you know, or to Canada, you know, there's, there's so much they can learn from listening to other people's experiences and going, Oh, I never thought about it that way. I might try something different or I might reach out and get advice. I might join secret actor society and watch the 500 videos of Kim telling me everything (laughs) I need to know. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I even just joined a mastermind group for people who run companies for actors great it's <laughs> like it's 25 or 20 people in the mastermind group and they all have these different you know some of them are voiced some of them are you know different coaching companies and stuff and it it was just so i almost wanted to cry when the guy emailed about it and it's like way more than it's like it's like several hundred bucks a month um i mean no it's not about the, a year it's several hundred bucks a year and all it is is just a one monthly zoom meeting it's nothing yeah. you know, there's nothing in addition to that um, but I almost wanted to cry because it's just like, oh, thank God, like someone gets it. Like I'm mm. going to be able to talk to a bunch of people who get it. Yeah. And it, it's just such a nice feeling. And I, I'm, it makes me really happy to think that I could be providing that for, for, act, for our community. That's really cool. I want to know, Kim, after all of these years, who who continues to inspire you in everything that you're doing now, whether it's well, it's just me. as an actor. Myself. Yeah, I was going to say yourself. It's- yourself her. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm like so I'm all about like celebrity you know like I I love the individual story so it's not so much you know in individual people and look my obsessions are, are actors like um Julianne Moore and Annette Benning mm, and you know yeah. I rewatched Devil Wears Prada um last night to prepare Such for um my role as the New York publisher in A Royal in Paradise, which I'm shooting next week. Um, and, you know, it's so funny. You know, you think a devil wears Prada and you remember this, like, super severe, harsh, you know, Meryl Streep playing this character. She spends the entire film talking like this. That's right. Everything she says is just, it's very calm. I don't, you know, like, it's just like, and she's so imposing with that, you know. And so, anyway, point being, I love hearing stories. I love hearing stories like Margot Robbie sending a handwritten letter to Quentin Tarantino and mm. the fact that she'd been planning to do that for years and she didn't do it until she felt like she'd gotten far enough along to actually reach out to him and then that's how she ended up playing Sharon Tate. And it's just like things like that where you hear, you know, I met Michelle Rodriguez at a party years ago and she said that she still gets a large portion of her her work from the connections she has, you know, rather than through her reps. And I'm sure, I'm sure she gets, and she, she obviously would get a lot of work for her reps, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, just knowing that at every stage, you know, actors often have this, this, this victim mentality of like, oh, well, shouldn't my agent and manager be doing that? Why do I have to get my own work? Why do I have to network? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Actors love to imagine that they're not actually starting a business, that they should just <laughs> be able to be artists and people should just give them jobs. And it's incredible having started a business um, and many, you know, a few little businesses along the way, knowing the capital investment that goes into a business and yeah. the, you know, that you have to, you know, build up your product and do your marketing and all, you know, all of the factors that go into it. And it's arguably, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because actors, you know, why would you imagine that, you know, all they have to do is go to acting classes, get headshots, get a demo reel. Like how hard is that? Buy some tickets to some film festivals, dude. Like boom, yeah. that's it. That's go to networking it. nights. I mean, it really yeah, yeah. Go to networking nights, do some casting workshops and just go to class, go to class, go to class, go to class. That's um, it. In all honesty, if I'm at a networking night and I see or meet somebody and who's an actor and, you know, I, I immediately I'm thinking about, oh, yeah, they could kind of work in that role in that film that I've got. Do you know what I mean? Like you, Dude, as a producer, yeah. you're always kind of thinking about it and, you know, whether or not, you know, and then, of course, they'll say something and you'll be like, hmm, maybe not. But then they might say <laughs> something else and you'll be like, yes, that's the character. Oh, my yeah. God, they're perfect for it. You know what I mean? I so- went to Frida's Sip and Paint three nights ago for Women in Film and, mm. um, I, I, you know, I'm just there and I'm painting and I'm not thinking I'm going to go there to network, but I like being around industry people because it just makes me feel at home. And so... You know, I go there and I only, you know, there's one chick sitting next to me who, I, uh, you know, I know and love and had met at Screen Forever, um, you know, a month or so ago. And there's another chick that I've known for 15 years or something sitting nearby. She's Liz. She's the head of women in film. She's awesome. Mm. Um, but I didn't know anyone else there and I wasn't really, you know, we were all just really focused on our paintings and we didn't socialise a whole lot before or after. But, then, you know, afterwards we were maybe all chatting for maybe 15 minutes and there's one chick and I, I like dive-bombed her to find out where her sparkling <laughs> water was from because it was so, it looked so good. I'm like, I want to taste. Like, give me, pour some of this into a glass. I want to try it. And she's like, oh, you know, I'll get your information. I'm going to send you where this weird store that I bought this sparkling water from. And then as we're chatting, she's like, actually, you're perfect for this character in my script that I'm writing and I'm, or that I've written, that I'm film that I'm producing. Mm. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what? That's awesome. And it's like, it happens. I'm like, it does. put me in it. I'm so, I'm so like unabashed about that stuff. Like, I'll just be like, like, I'll meet someone and they'll be like, oh, I'm a producer. I'll be like, oh my God, great. Put me in all your movies. Like, <laughs> I mean, stuff. Like, I don't care. As long as you don't make it, I think people don't get it, or many people get it, I'm sure. But the thing I like to communicate is that. The more seriously you take these things, the more um, off-putting it can be for people. Yeah. But if you're just like, yeah. fucking hire me, dude. Like, I literally, after that women in that film thing, I went out with with um, Liz, my longtime dear friend, and our mutual friend, Judd, and I was just like, guys, like, we're, we're, you're doing all these movies. Like, put me and my husband in them. <laughs> like, <laughs> what can we play? And, you know, we didn't, you know, they were like, oh, not, you know, we're not sure, we're tra- you know, we're trying to go for a name for the girl that's your age or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's all good. And then and then I get an email from one of them the next day just saying, hey, like, can your husband do this blah, blah, blah mm. thing that we need for the film? And they're like, oh, we're thinking about him for this role. And it's like, no, no, you know, no one's offended if there was, no. if they're like, Hell no! I'd be like, okay, cool, and that it just turned out that something did align and it worked out. And you know, I I remember seeing a breakdown for a role, um, and this wasn't as much a networking thing, but it was more of a proactivity thing. I saw a breakdown for a role, and I emailed the filmmaker directly um, because they didn't have a casting director on the breakdown. And I was like, hey, like you know, I'd really love to be considered for this role. And and he wrote back, and he's like, hey. Like the project's already cast, but I actually don't use casting directors. I always cast from the pool of actors that I know. Mm. He's like, I've looked at your reel. Obviously, you are way overqualified for this character that you've reached out about, but I'm going to keep you in mind for the next one. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever, as if. And like, <laughs> But I was like, but thank you. You're awesome. Yeah. Amazing. But as if they're going to keep you in mind. And, um, and four months later, I get this email from him. And he's like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm that producer. I'm the direct, producer-director that you harassed. Oh my god! For the last project, 
And he's like, something's come up and I think you'd be really good for the fourth lead in our feature film. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a great Lifetime movie. I got to play the bad guy or the bad girl. And, um, you know, it was one of the funnest projects I've been able to do because it was just mm-hmm. such a naughty character. And no pressure because it's just a Lifetime movie. You know, it's not like, yeah. you know, it's not, I'm not going for an Academy Award or anything, so it's not that fun. <laughs> and, um, and it was so much fun. But that came from me just sending this random email and not taking it too seriously. And him being yeah. like, the direct, I'm that producer, the director you harassed. You know, like it's just like, yeah, man, we're all, we're all hustling and people get that. Yeah. And no one has any problem with you hustling. And if they do, then they're probably someone who's feeling really insecure on their perch and yeah. you know, they're either going to come around or they're going to fall off it at some point. Yeah. yeah, it's totally that thing of like, and I've said this to a few people recently too when I've been talking about networking and how to connect with other people, it's that thing of don't attach an outcome. Yeah, exactly. So go ahead and be like, oh, my God, you should totally hire me for all of your movies. Like, quick, yeah, show me your slate. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> You yeah. know. Oh, you're in film finance. Like, I'm a producer. You're in film finance. Oh my god, yeah. give me money. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, 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 totally do that. But then just don't attach an outcome to it, and don't because that that when you attach an outcome to it, it, it creates that desperation. You know, it creates yeah, that icky thing that you were talking about. Yeah, totally. And it's I, like it's it's. It, I even say that when I'm asking people, you know, when I'm teaching teaching people how to ask for a referral to an agent. You know, to be to send that request, just saying like. I remember this guy reached out to me once and he's like, oh, hey, do you want to go for a hike? And I'm like, I haven't heard for this guy in a really long time. He's a friend, not anyone that I'm romantically involved. I'm like, I haven't heard for this guy for a little long time. Why is he reaching out? And I was just like, I was so slammed. I'm like, I don't have two seconds to spare. And I'm like, I think he wants something. Like, I'm not going to go for a hike. I'm not going to do a two-hour hike just so he mm. can, like, warm me up to something that he wants. Yeah. And so I just wrote back to him. I'm like, dude, you know, I'm super slammed right now. What do you know? How can I help you? Like, what do you need? Um, and um, and he was like, Well, I was actually hoping to get a referral to your agent. I was like, Yeah, done. Drop my name and drop my name any anytime. Just go for it, 100. Mm. percent And um, and I just saved myself two hours of my life. And yeah. I, like, it doesn't offend me. I'm not bothered. But you know, just the idea of like, don't don't feel like you have to do all of this stuff around the request just be like and what I always do is I always put my ask first so I'll be like I'll be like hey man how you doing like I was hoping to grab you know I was wondering if you could do this or I was wondering if you want to do this or if I could ask you for this favor um you know by the way which you know what have you what have you been up to lately I'd love to hang out or whatever it is um Mm. because I feel like sometimes people will reach out and they don't get to the ask until yes. we've either had a phone call or hung out or whatever. And I always feel like, oh, dude, like you didn't have to butter me up. Like I don't care that I haven't seen you in three years. I love you. Of course I'll help you out. Like whatever you need. Mm. Even, I mean, I have people all the time asking me for referrals or, or for um, what are they called, those letters that you write? Oh, people? letters of recommendation. Yeah. Did I, yeah. Write, I can't remember if I wrote one for you. Or not, I don't think but, so. No. Oh, well, anyway. I like, anyway. I'm okay, can I have like, one? Yeah, like, yes, of course. Of course. I'm like, just write it yourself. Send it to me. Yeah, I'll you sign yeah. it. It will take me 12 seconds cool. and then I'll send it back. Like it's not, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where uh, people who, who have, who are time poor uh, or who are <laughs> yeah. very busy, like the biggest thing to respect for them is, is their time. Yeah. Um, and it, as long as you're respecting their time, they're usually going to be pretty fucking chill about totally. anything. It's like if you're going to do a big reach out to someone who, you know, is well further down their career path compared to you and you want to ask them for career advice, 
you know, be be prepared to ask them for just a short window and be prepared to ask them yeah. specifically when you go to them, you know, like, this is what I want to talk to you about. And then be prepared. Totally. You know, you don't go kind of go, Oh, can I maybe just ask you for some career advice? Would that be okay? Totally. And then you meet totally. with them and you're like, um, well, how about, and then you can just say that you've just lost the other person. You can just see their yeah. eyes glaze over. I remember, I remember meeting a producer and, and I really wanted them to produce my, my script. And, um, you know, I gave me. them. The, but I was I was just like I, I gave him the script and he's like okay so why are you giving me this and I'm like oh I just you know I was so scared I was like 23 oh. or something and I was like oh, I just want to you know your thoughts and your feedback and stuff he's like okay cool like and I could tell in retrospect looking back I know for a fact if I had said to him you know I want you to put this through your coverage system to see if it's something you guys want to produce yeah I know for a fact he would have absolutely put it through the system and considered it but instead he just got to back to me with notes because people who are busy just want to know how can I help you what can I do what do you need and they don't take offense to anything you know it's just be direct tell me what you need I'll either tell you yes or no and that's it it's as simple as that or I'll maybe refer you to someone else who can help you it's it's wild too that people don't even seem to think that asking for that kind of thing is is okay you know like that that there are these mythical yeah, I mean, like, there's mythical rules that you, that are in place that you can or cannot ask certain things of certain people, especially yeah. if you've just met them. I met someone today uh, for the first time who was a really lovely person, really successful in his career and in, in, in his particular specialty. Um, and I mentioned to him something that I was struggling with on the side, you know, that, that could, you know, that was difficult to manage, but I was doing my best with it. And he instantly was like, oh, you, tell me more about that. I might be able to help mm. you, you know, and, and if I hadn't have had the... I guess the the ability to be vulnerable in that moment, just to let a little yes. bit of that into the conversation, I never would have gotten the idea from him that he could even be in a position to help me with something like yeah. that. And that he was not even just that he could help me, that he eagerly wanted to help. Tell yeah, me about totally. it. Let's go. Let's talk about it. What's going totally. on? You know? It was just the nicest thing to encounter and a great reminder just to be prepared for anything and to be open and to be yourself. Absolutely. You know, and one thing I've realised being on the – kind of the other side of that now where, you know, someone will ask for something in the coaching Zooms or something or in 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 life and I'll, I'll just be like, oh, I, I could totally help you with that. But then the minute I walk away, I forget that I've said it. And yeah. so I'll, I, I now know that I, I say I have to say to everyone, email me and then if you don't hear back, follow up a week later because my email inbox is my to-do list because yeah. I'm an inbox yeah. zero person because I'm a psychopath. Same. And so, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. But how and good so, does it feel, Kim? How good does it feel when you get to zero? Okay. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm not going to say I haven't been weeks. Oh I don't even remember it. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, no, I, I want you to follow up. I don't want mm. to let you down. Yeah. I don't want, you know, so people feel uncomfortable following up and it's like I would feel terrible if I found out that I had offered to help someone or if I'd tell, you know, if someone had asked me for something and I'd said I would help that they wouldn't follow up to Think, re- yeah. remind thinking me. And thinking that you're just intentionally like, no. Ignoring them. Ignoring not doing them. Yeah. I've it's had that happen like, to me. It's it's incredible. It's mind-boggling. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. And I'm just like, no, just if I can do it or if I can delegate it, you know, that's the whole beauty mm. of having an assistant is you can delegate so much stuff as well. And so, for instance, someone wanted a list of demo reel editors or recommend editions for demo reel editors. You know, I, I realize that's something that's going to be effective for the whole membership. So, of course, I, you know, that's something where I said, yes, I'll get that to you. But I've now delegated that to my assistant and that's going to be taken care of. But I would have forgotten if she hadn't sent me the follow-up email that I asked her to send yeah. me. 
<laughs> that's, so. that's totally an ADHD thing for me. Like, uh, yeah. like I, I, and I, that's why I actively say to people, I'm super happy to help you with that, but please just email me and remind yeah. me. Because if I can't write it down in front of me, if it's not on my to-do list, like yeah. right then and there, I won't remember. And it's not because I don't care. It's because my brain just works that way and I have to have certain mechanisms in place. Totally. Or if people send it to my personal email, then I'm like, oh, it's all over. Like, (laughs) forward it to my business email and deal with it there. Like, I'll just be like, don't, don't, please don't email me here. Like, it's my personal email. I, you know, it's really just acting and a couple of friends who for some reason might still email. But yeah, yeah, it needs to be my business email. <laughs> definitely, definitely, that's a thing for me too. It's it's uh, oh. that struggle of. Um, I had it recently happen to me where I somebody had sort of tried to reach out to me, and a lot of st- I've got a lot of stuff going on. You know, there's yeah. a few things happening, and there's a lot of different projects that we're trying to get up off the ground at the moment, and it just slipped through the cracks, and I didn't yeah. um, didn't have time, or you know, I just could not quite get the chance to sit down and, and write a oh, response. Totally. And, you know, for me, you know, similarly, writing emails is such a such a task. It's such a process, especially when you're giving people information or providing something. You want to make sure that every single word is correct and every single Mm. thing that you say, you know, can't be used against you in a court of law. No, but just, you know, (laughs) those things you've got to be careful with what you write and you've got to make sure that you're giving people accurate information. So if it's time consuming. Mm. then it's definitely something that you'll put aside and go, yes, I'll do that. But then you just forget about it because it's not yeah. in front of you anymore. Yeah. I so write back to short, I write back to shorter emails faster because yeah. I don't feel obligated to write a longer response. And that was something I had to work on and really focus on because mm. I, I suddenly realized people would say to me, oh, my agent, you know, my agent never gets back to me. And I thought my agent always gets back to me. My <laughs> manager always gets back to me. And I was like, how do they do that? They have so many, like my manager has, mad a-list clients and only Mm. 30 of them but mad like he's so busy my agent has hundreds of clients who are many of them are on series and and they're all work everyone on her list you look at them all they're all freaking working and i'm like how why do they always get back to me and i'm like oh i can send them a paragraph and they'll send me three Mm. words they yeah. think, and I used to laugh about it. My manager, I'd be like, I think he thinks he's texting me. Like, I'm pretty sure that's Because he would send like two words. And I'm yeah. like, but I realized that's why he's so efficient because he doesn't feel this weird obligation to match density mm. in an email. Yeah. And for me, I, I just now I'm, I'm really trying to be more brief in every single thing that I send, whether it's an email or a text message. If it's a text message, I do it voice to text, yeah. which is a thousand times faster. so much mm. better than, than typing. But, but even me, and I type like 70 words a minute. I'm a really fast typer, but. It's the dude. thought that goes into it. It's the amount. Yes. Of, yeah. And then know. the more you write, mm. the more you have to curate. That's and right. I also <laughs> learned that I never pitch more than two things in one email. I never write more than two to cover more than two topics in one email. Mm-hmm. If I have to, I number them. One, yeah, two, perfect. Three, so that people can, and always, they always respond. One, One answer. Two, two answer. Yeah. Three. And it's like you you cannot expect a person's brain to retain more than two topics mm-hmm. unless you're separating them in a very structured way. And so it's about, you know, that also, it's also about setting the recipient up for success with doing things like that. And, mm. and also knowing that, yeah, if you're sending them too much information, the pr- important bits get lost in trend. They get yeah. lost in the mess. Yeah. So totally learn how to, to dissect it and, and um, I get, uh, refine it down to those, you know, the, the primary intention of your, 
message. Mm. It's business skills. It's all those yeah. business skills they don't teach you at acting school. <laughs> right. So true. They really don't. They teach you how to act, no. but they don't yeah. teach you that there's a business side to it. You've got to be your own you know, business manager, really. Yeah. Coming soon, Kim Jackson is the new VCA coach on emails and <laughs> etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. It's yeah, like they had my textbook at um, QUT and at NIDA in cool. the library. That's Apparently awesome. at QUT I think it's recommended reading, but um, – yeah, I I never sent it to VCA or Whopper, but I totally should have because it would yeah. be very handy for those people. It's <laughs> a bit like school. They teach you how to do mathematics, but they don't teach you how to do taxes. It's like... Uh, so weird. Yeah. Every time tax season comes around, I, I think that. Yeah. Because it's, it's not like, that why? hard. Like, it's not that many categories. No. no. no to put in any of them that's right at I mean, all they, they really should be teaching proper life skills oh yeah you know and proper like actual actionable things that you have to do as an adult like pay your registration like you know have a phone pay your bills yeah this is tax time this is how but you handle this you know you know it goes to everything you know i'm looking at these abc books with this child and like they don't teach it's like a is for apple z is for zebra like when is he going to see a zebra yeah. Like I get it and everything that there's not many things that start with a Z, but Zamboni. Just, there's no like, you know, yes, A is for Apple, but you know, like, but B is for bear doesn't help my child. B is for blueberry or uh, like, why isn't there a ABC book of the kitchen? Like yeah. F is for fridge. C is for counter. S is for sink. Like the thing, like things that he might need to know around the house and learn like basic fundamentals of life. Like, no, I'm going to have to draw up like handwritten <laughs> stickers and stick them on everything so he can learn what a shoe is or Coming whatever. up next, it's Kim Jackson's fun. series of books on ABC. Oh, dude, <laughs> no idea. It's a problem. I actually, I messaged my friend who's an artist intending to write these ABC books, but she's moved to London recently oh, and no. I forgot. So I wasn't able to rope her in to be my partner on that. It's a brilliant idea. I think you should, I think you need to follow through with that one. That's I didn't even picture on it. I, I really you could just pitch it to the that. people who make Bluey as well. Because as soon as you make it, Bluey teaches the kids where the sink is and, you know, what the fridge is. Done. And Million dollar idea. A ton of content. Stay tuned, folks, because the conversation continues in the next episode of the Cutaway Podcast. Yeah, you heard it here. That's right. We spoke to this guest for so long that we actually had to continue this chat in another part. The Cutaway Podcast is produced by Lucinda Bruce and Jessica Hutchinson. You are listening to our voices because of the delightful and wonderful sound engineer that is Corey Welsh. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars if you like what we do. And please share and subscribe. Tell everyone to come and listen to us. The more you promote and love on us, the more we get to do fantastic episodes with our amazing guests. We will see you next time on The Cutaway Podcast.